Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined by longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. That's Travis Ryer. Big show for you here. We're going to be breaking down Alabama's upcoming national championship game against the University of Georgia, the rematch that SEC fans and uh, fans across the country certainly have been Waiting for a couple notes on Talking Tide. The Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. Uh, give us a follow there. You'll get links to all our podcasts. Follow us on our YouTube channel as well. Just search Talking Tide podcast on YouTube and get on board there as well. You can get Talking Tide on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting app. We're on YouTube. We are on Facebook. And of course, you can also get us at our web host at megaphone.com. And our sponsors, quick thanks to them, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and finally DraftKings. We'll have more on them a little bit later in the program. Travis, we dive in here to uh, the game that all are waiting for, Alabama taking on the University of Georgia in a rematch for all the marbles. It'll be an 8 p.m. kickoff Eastern time. It'll be 7 Central, of course. Monday night, be broadcast by ESPN It'll be at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Travis. They can go roof open or roof close there. Uh, looks like that high is going to be 23 degrees on Monday in Indianapolis. So uh, the smart money, forget forget the line and the, the money line and the spread and the over-under. The smart money is that roof will be shut. Yeah, not a roof down sort of drive. You know, if you want to go out for a little country ride in Indiana, on Monday, it ought to be sealed up tight, I would think. And uh, first of all, do you like the Kirby Smart visor? Do you like the uh, the visor tip to Kirby? By the way, it's sharp. It's sharp. It looks yeah. new. It looks not quite broken in, but it definitely it definitely looks sharp. Is it uh, straight off the shelf? Yeah, no, it's it's been around. If if I could show you the back, which I can't, I mean, it's been through some sweat and weather and golf and golf. elements. It's got kind of that rusted look on the back it's been through a few wars kind of like kirby mm -hmm. no doubt kirby's been through it he likes that visor not gonna really yeah. need it uh with that roof being shut but he'll probably have it on anyway right yeah it's his go-to look i mean that's yeah. kirby that's what he does similar to steve spurrier before him steve though steve didn't wear the visor inside as i recall if you remember steve in the georgia dome or in the superdome you wouldn't see steve i don't think in the visor he'd go without no. it no, you're right. You would not. And funny you bring his name up because I thought Steve Spurrier's name might come up uh, in the program today because he, of course, uh, was a part of a national championship rematch, right? Florida, Florida State. Uh, if I remember correctly, the Seminoles got the better of the Gators in the regular season matchup. And then, of course, uh, in the national championship game, Danny Werfel uh, took Florida State. He put Danny in the shotgun. Home. Put Danny in the shotgun because Florida State was absolutely mauling him in Tallahassee in that regular season matchup. Steve also a part of an SEC championship game rematch with Alabama back in right. '99, and he got swept in that scenario. Yes. So some different ways to look at this one, I guess. No doubt. Uh, one way to look at it, and, and we kind of broke this down when Alabama took on Georgia in the SEC title game is up front, Travis. We'll start there. The Alabama offensive line, the Georgia defensive front, a key to the rematch, the same as it was a key to the first matchup. And really, Alabama's offensive line 
played its best game of the year against Georgia, in my opinion, particularly given the level of competition. It was unexpected. If you'll recall, Alabama's offensive line had kind of been maligned going into that week after a, a an up-and-down performance against Auburn. And Georgia's defensive front rightly vaunted with some big-time talent, some NFL players all over that defensive front. And here we are again, Travis, and it's going to be yet another matchup to watch and, and you know, one that's going to largely tell the tale. I think so. And for Alabama, you're more interested from a health standpoint of a couple of your guys right now, right? Emil Echior at the right guard position, really your entire right side of your offensive line. Chris Owens, we saw leave the game against Cincinnati late. Just going on some University of Alabama released video footage from Wednesday's practice. Looked like Chris Owens moving pretty well through ladder drills and uh, didn't look all that limited just in terms of his mobility. So I thought that was a good sign. And, you know, for Emil Echior, this is a home game, Chase. He's an Indianapolis guy. So, you know, he's doing everything he can with that shoulder between treatment, rehab, whatever he can do to be close to 100% for the dogs. No doubt. Uh Alabama's ability to run the ball for sure is going to be a key factor in this one. I, I thought Brian Robinson ran it fairly well against Georgia. Not great, but again, I don't. as we've talked about before, I don't think he was 100% with that hamstring in the Georgia game either. Uh, but some balance offensively certainly would be in order for Alabama uh, to get the job done here again. But you know, Travis, and I hear you make this remark occasionally when we preview games, a lot of times it comes down to the simple matchup of who's got the better quarterback. Yeah. And, at, you know, when you, when you watch Alabama-Georgia, there's no question Bryce Young brings more to the table than does Stetson Bennett. Uh, and, and Bennett played certainly a heck of a game against Michigan in the semifinal. He's a capable passer, there's no doubt. Uh, but Alabama's got the edge at the most important position on the field. Yeah, when you think about Nick Saban's record in championship games like this at Alabama, he's 6-2, and two, right? Well, who did those two losses come against? Clemson with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You know, these weren't just uh, everyday quarterbacks that handed Nick those two losses. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not on that side of, well, Stetson Bennett's just a really limited guy. He just doesn't bring enough to the table. I think Stetson Bennett's like most quarterbacks. If you keep him on schedule and you put him in a situation where balance is very much in the mix uh, and he can stay on script for the most part, Stetson Bennett's very, very capable. And we saw that again against Michigan. Michigan could not do enough things to get Georgia off schedule. Georgia pretty much dictated from the start, really on both sides of the ball. But if Alabama isn't able to do what it's done the last two times and get Bennett more in a situation where it's on him, he threw 88 passes in the last two games that he's faced Alabama. That's 44 a game by my math. And you get him up there around 44, 40 attempts again this time, you're probably going to see a similar result. One thing that we saw Georgia do, I thought very successfully against Michigan in dealing with Aiden Hutchinson, the outstanding uh, defensive end pass rusher for Michigan is one they got the ball out quick right a lot of those Stetson Bennett throws were, were catch it and get rid of it and when they did decide to let something develop a little deeper and let Stetson Bennett read more of the field they were chipping Hutchinson left and right uh, they were not going to leave they were not going to leave uh, their right tackle on an island with that guy 
for a, a five or seven step drop. Can you imagine? Can you can you picture Georgia turning around and saying, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna have the same similar plan in dealing with Will Anderson? Sure, I think scrimmage yards for the backs for both teams is going to be a telling stat on Monday night, and certainly for Georgia when you look at you know what James Cook is able to do as a as a receiver. He did it against Michigan over 100 receiving yards on just four catches in that win. So that's what I'll be interested in, and for Brian Robinson as well. Um, you know, this game when you talk about the matchups and things like that, you can make it kind of work anyway. You want you can say well Alabama's not just going to line up and run the ball against Georgia like it did Cincinnati well of course it's not but it threw for 421 against Georgia the last time so it may not need to and you know getting a couple of guys on the ground tackling two guys in this game will be critical Georgia tackling Bryce Young which it struggled to do in the first game when he had did extend plays didn't get sacked in the game and then Alabama tackling Brock Bowers, not just in terms of his ability to threaten the vertical areas of the field, but you know yards after catch with this guy. He's just so different from that standpoint from your typical tight ends. Bowers is special. He's hard to bring down. Hard even if you do solo tackle Bowers, he's going to drag you for three, three, yeah. four, five yards. He's that kind of player. So you think let's just put our nickel on him so he can cover him? Well, that's fine until he catches the ball and your nickel's one ninety. Right. You know, and this guy's 235, 240, and he can fly. So, yeah, that's going to be a matchup for sure. Dangerous player. Really, three playmakers on offense around Stetson Bennett, I think, are the are the key ones. One is, is James Cook, who we talked about in the last podcast. The guy uh, can do a lot of different things. Kirby Smart can line him up all over the place, and he can do some damage. Elusive, super hands. Heck of a player. Bowers is the other. And then the third, I think, is is McConkie, uh, who is a guy who probably doesn't get as much credit he deserves, Travis, but he's got a steel trap for hands. He's tough. He can run, too. Yeah, he's got speed. He can do it all. Yeah, that's why there's so much much that's going to be on, I think, Brian Branch in this game at that star position because there's going to be times where he's going to have to man up on Brock Bowers because they're probably going to play Georgia the same way they did the first time around in terms of being nickel heavy, even against two tight ends, maybe even three tight ends at times. So he's going to see that matchup. He's going to see Lad McConkey, who he drew a pass interference call against in round one, the deep ball to Lad McConkey. Um, it's just going to be a really busy night, I think, for, for Brian Branch, who is playing the best football he's played in his two seasons at Alabama. He's been really good. Speaking of McConkie and that Alabama secondary, Jalen Armour Davis with the hip injury at the cornerback position, another one to watch. Uh, Near as I could tell, it's been pretty quiet on that front as far as his availability, but it'll certainly be big for Alabama if he's good to go. Yeah, you you always want to have a third corner for sure in a situation like this, but you know, Kyrie Jackson showed some good things in that rotation against Cincinnati. And, you know, that's an area where Alabama has to take care of business because you know Georgia really wants to stay between the numbers, between running the ball, between Bowers, uh, between where we seem to see Stetson Bennett go after teams, defenses the most. It tends to be even between the hash marks. Now, look, he's going to swing it to James Cook in the flat, going to run some rail routes, some wheel-type 
concepts uh, if you give them man coverage with James Cook. So it's not just all about between the numbers, but if you're Alabama, you want to make sure George Pickens, Jermaine Burton, McConkie, any of these guys out wide don't supplement what you kind of go into the game anticipating Georgia getting regardless. On the defensive side of the ball for the Georgia Bulldogs, Travis, who do you see as as the real troublemaker, the real monster on that side in this particular matchup? For me, three guys stand out who I think really are, are and there's a lot of them. You could go a lot of different directions. I'm a Kobe Dean fan. Huge. I, that guy's always around the football. Uh, he's a three-down player. He's not a guy who you got to pull off the field if it's third and nine. Uh, Jordan Davis, obviously a difference maker on that interior. And then Quay Walker, I think is another one who brings a lot of versatility and athleticism to that Georgia defense. Those three guys, uh, from where I sit, uh, keeping them quiet is, is going to be critical for this Alabama offense. Yeah. And Georgia wisely and creatively uses N'Kobe Dean in a lot of ways as it should, because he's just simply tremendous um i think Mullen smith is gonna have to be a bigger part of the storyline for georgia this time around that the dogs are gonna have more success against bryce young and that alabama offense in general as a guy a couple of years ago was the nation's top overall recruit uh highly coveted edge defender uh, he's got to give them something out of the four-man pass rush to go along with guys like kobe dean and channing tindall and you know, some of the guys they like to bring uh, in, in in blitz situations. The problem I see for Georgia right now is they remind me of some Alabama pass rushers from the past, a little bit, a little bit lumbering, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I mean, you love the size and the way they occupy gaps in the run game. But just with a four-man front pass rush without N'Kobe Dean or the help from a linebacker, it didn't really happen in the first go-around. And I think – you know, um, they're obviously dealing with some absences on that side of the ball as well. Um, but I think that's that's the guys I would look to defensively. And I, they have to do it because this is a very ordinary Georgia secondary. Uh, I, I know John Metchie's out. That's problematic for Alabama. But if Bryce gets about the same type of opportunities in terms of uh, pass protection that he got the first go around, these are still guys for Alabama capable of, of getting open against this secondary. Yeah. You know, you're exactly right. The way to attack Georgia is in the secondary. And that's exactly why pass protection was such a big part of the story for Alabama in the sec title game. I watch a lot of Sunday football with the day job, as you know, Travis, this Georgia defense reminds me a little bit of the bucks defense and that they got so much up front. They're completely dominant against the run. They can really get after the quarterback, but they've been beat up in the secondary all year. And you, you, you can hurt them back there if you give your quarterback just a little bit of time or you scheme out, you know, scheme it out with some, you know, design rollouts and things of that nature. Yeah, Adam Anderson was a big loss for Georgia. He had the off the field issue uh, eight games into the season. He had five sacks at the time that he was sidelined because of that. Uh, this was a guy that in terms of organic pass rush, you could get that from and that's gone away. So kind of a wash in some ways when you talk about what Anderson brought to that pass rush and then what Mechie brought to the offense for Alabama. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, 
there, there's just not going to be a lot of mystery to these matchups. I mean, these teams are looking into the mirror in a lot of ways, Chase. And, you know, I'm sure Kirby and Dan Lanning and that defensive staff will have a wrinkle or two. Uh, maybe they bring a safety because just trying to play two safeties deep, it didn't matter when Jamison Williams ran right by Lewis Sign, who had over-the-top help on the play. You had him underneath, you had him over the top, and Jamison Williams still ran past Lewis Sign. So maybe you think this time, instead of asking one of these guys to try to hang in there against a double move, let's just let's just bring him and see what happens. The problem there, of course, is Bryce's ability to extend plays comes into effect, and you got to deal with him. Yeah, let's spend just a minute on that, Travis. The the chess match between these coaching staffs having just played one another a couple of weeks ago. On the one hand, you sit down as a staff to build a game plan and a rematch like this, and one instinct will say, stick with what works, right? Let's go back and look at the tape. Let's go back, look at the personnel matchups, see where we can exploit the other side, and stick with what worked before. And then the the opposite instinct, which also certainly makes some sense, is you better throw a couple wrinkles in there. You better do a few things different because whatever you did that worked before, the other team's going to come back with something different to try to stop it. Yeah, and again, Nick Saban brings the corner cat. You know, he'll bring a corner on a blitz from the boundary. He'll bring the star defensive back uh, in pressure. Um you know, the pre-snap looks in a lot of ways are the same. So you've got to have something a little different because really from the outset of that first game and understanding Alabama's first couple of possessions didn't go exceedingly well. But once they settled in and they sort of got in lockstep with what Georgia was doing, it was, it was pretty incredible to see Alabama so ready for what Georgia was offering up. Some formations for Alabama that would – dictate Georgia to think one way, Alabama would have it covered in terms of pass protection. So that's where I'm especially interested in Monday night, Chase, with the Georgia defense is to see how creative they get in terms of trying to um, go about dealing with Bryce. It's really tough, man, because you want to go get this guy, right? Because he's a very capable passer, and then you go after him, and then he extends the play and beats you with his legs one way or the other. So mush rush doesn't necessarily work. Uh, and going after him can be tough. Yeah, my, my oldest recollection of that corner cat blitz from Nick Saban, Travis, was I believe the 07 Alabama-Tennessee game. Kareem Jackson and Javier Arenas both came. I'm sure it was a bust. You don't, you, It had to have been a bust. They both came after Eric Ainge. And I was like, whoa, they're going to sandwich this guy. And, and Ainge threw it over the top to try to beat it. And Justin Woodall. Uh, made a made a PBU in the end zone, and I was scratching my head. I, I think I, you might have been sitting next to me. I, oh, said, yeah. I don't think that was by design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bring that corner cat, you better have a lot of trust in that safety that's got to roll over and, yeah. and try to hang in there against a wide receiver. But, um, no, I think that's uh, – Nick's probably got that in his will to people like Jeremy Pruitt and Kirby. You know, he's leaving that corner cat to all those guys. The Vegas man on this one, Travis, Georgia by three, at least the last I saw. I think the line has is, is moved a little bit in certain precincts. But uh, uh, Las Vegas, I suppose, uh, not duly impressed by the SEC title game, right? I mean, that was a neutral field. It's a neutral field again. Yeah, it is. And it, this one isn't even in the state of Georgia. Um, you know, that's been what you would think would be of a, 
advantage to Georgia playing so close to home. It, it really hasn't been, I guess, in five of the seven losses that the dogs have in succession to Alabama right now. What, five of those have been in the state of Georgia right. between Atlanta and Athens? So maybe it's a good thing for Georgia to go to Indianapolis. But, yeah, it does have that feel of, okay, that was great, but we believe more in the 13 other games that we've seen Georgia then we worry about the one against Alabama. And, you know, I think it's going to be a tight game uh, one way or the other. So, you know, it, it couldn't take a whole lot for someone to be right, in my opinion, uh, if they like Georgia laying the three. But, again, I say it all the time, styles make fights. And stylistically, Georgia's not the worst of matchups for Alabama. Over under 52 in this one, Travis. Where do you see that that number going? See, that's the problem with Vegas. Stuff like that, when they release that in, when they release those, and I think about scores that I've got in mind, it's usually right on it. I mean, they, they know. And 31 so, 21. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, 27 24, which is yep. how much? 51 points, something right. like that. 28 24. So I'm right on the number. Yeah. That's, that's why I don't mess with the man. I don't poke him. Sometimes the boys start smoking cigars when it's three nothing ah. after a quarter, and they've got that they've got that under, and then all the all of a sudden you get that uh, you get that breakaway touchdown right before the half. Maybe you get a, a big kickoff return coming back the other way, and uh, you, you're you're right uh, you're right back to biting your finger. Well, the first time around it's ten nothing after the first quarter. If you had the under, you're thinking, oh, we're all right here." Right. And then Alabama goes off for 24 points in the second quarter, you know, and everything goes out the window. Something else for sure. The ticket man, Travis, uh, $500 for the cheap ones. That's what I saw on StubHub a couple days ago. I think it's moved south uh, from there since then. Expensive seats between the 40s and the lower bowl at Lucas Oil Stadium. Numbers I was seeing were running anywhere from thirty five hundred to five grand no per way. ticket, uh, but uh, we we see a plummet coming, right? I would not buy a ticket. And, and look, if you want to go to the game, I'd just go on up there. Especially, I think the toughest thing is going to be accommodations. Can you figure that out right there in Indianapolis proper? But um, if I didn't have a ticket, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd be subscribing to the Pops method where I just wait the ticket man out because I think with the weather and some of this stuff you have spiking with COVID too, I think if you wait it out to say like 648 central Monday evening, I think you could get in probably by that time. This is just me could be wrong. I think you could get in for probably around a hundred bucks or so. That's just me. I, it looks like there's a lot of tickets still out there too, Chase. A lot of, as the man says, there's a lot of inventory as he says. <laughs> There's no shortage of them, and you're right. Sometimes a man stands on that corner long enough. Yeah, it's going to be cold. Degrees outside. How long? No you know? Yeah, I'd walk by him like Pops used to do back in the '70s and say, uh, "I'll come back in five minutes and buy it, and you'll pay me to take it." Pops used to tell the ticket man when I was a kid. Oh my gosh, you know, I'd shudder. I would by him. Shudder How's that jacket that? holding up? Yeah. You warm enough, ticket man? Yeah, Pops would say, "I'll come back in five minutes, and you'll pay me to take it." He'd say, and the profanities, you know, that would spew from the ticket man at Pops. Yeah, those were the days. No, yeah. but really, I, I mean, I don't. With the trend right now, I don't know why you wouldn't wait. I mean, right. we're, we're not even to Friday yet, so. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I think waiting a man out is is the way to go for this one, and and you're cer- it's cer- the it's certainly not going to go up. The worst that can no. happen is the man just holds his ground. So you might as well wait. I know, and and you know the is man this a likes one to and play done? on the is tendency that and... people have to want to secure tickets before they get on that plane. Yeah. So this is absolutely not one I would do. That I understand that. You know, for games played in Atlanta maybe even Miami when it's a national championship game. But for this one and the trip, the awful trip, no offense, Indianapolis, a great town. I've, I've been there a couple times, but I haven't done Indianapolis like you have in the winter. And by the way, this game kind of feels like the combine before the combine with all the NFL guys, right? And really the top three NFL prospects in this game, Chase, are probably all undraftable guys, aren't they? Bryce, Will, Anderson, um, yeah. And yeah. uh, Brock Bowers, would those right. be your top three right now? NFL guys, Nicole Dean. They, yeah, I don't know if they'd be the very top three, but they'd be they'd be up Evan there Neal. high. Yeah, Evan sure. Neal's got to be up there. He's going to be a top three guy probably. Evan yeah. Neal is going to go super fast in the draft. There's there's no question. About Jamison it. Williams played his way in the first round in all likelihood. He has, he yeah. has. Jamison Williams has been phenomenal. But you're right. There's no city in Slate America Bolton. that's a great place to visit at 20 degrees. So. No, and I think that's what this has become. Alabama fans have had the luxury now of becoming picky about their national championship games that they attend. In other words, is the trip worth it? And as far as ancillary, right, other things going on in the venue site. You think this is a one and done for the Big Ten region for one of these games? Or, I mean, we saw it with the NFL a few years ago with the cold weather Super Bowl in right. Gotham. Right. I, I don't know if it's going back anytime soon. Maybe it is. What about yeah, this? Detroit? I don't know. You think they're going to go to Detroit in a couple of years? I, no, no, no. I, I think Indianapolis – might be as north as, as far north as they go for a while. Yeah. It's not going to be like the 08 run to Pasadena, put it that mm-hmm. way, when Alabama took on Texas and uh, it was a sunny 75. And I, uh, they're going to go to Vegas eventually. You know, they're going to Vegas. They got, they got to go to Vegas. Yeah. yeah. That veil of, you know, Sin gone. City and all that is gone. It's all gone. about the money. Next year, they're going to SoFi out in LA. That'll be interesting. Instead of Pasadena. Balmy. And then um, I think Houston in a couple of years. That's a good yeah. site. I, I, I can get into some Houston, some fajitas. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good weather there as well. Talking Tide podcast at Podbean, excuse me, at the Pigskin Podcast Network. A little bit of a throwback. I threw you off. I, I, I get so off track. I <laughs> screw you up. It's all good. Got to thank a couple sponsors right now when on the back end of the program, we'll talk a little bit of Alabama hoops, but first going to tell you all about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, that great staff of dental hygiene. Look at that hair. Perfect. Was just there today, as a matter of fact, dropping off some of that heat pizza over there. North River Dental Associates, they can do the porcelain veneers, the cosmetic dentistry, the laser dentistry, dentures, the teeth whitening services, extremely popular over there at North River Dental. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments to take care of those facial features. They're great dealing with the insurance people. They're going to get you in and out of there in less than an hour, typically, on a routine cleaning. You just cannot beat the experience. Conveniently located at 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. It's right behind the Jimmy John's there as you head toward Northport on McFarland Boulevard. 
dip that quick right on watermelon, and you're in there. Phone number 752-3506. You can also make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier. Literally, the champions of chocolate. That's right. Peterbrook in 2021, a record-setting year for Peterbrook in Tuscaloosa. And all of that due to the great teammates Peterbrook Chocolatier has in the form of the thousands of customers. The patrons are what make Peterbrook what it is. Now, great, great chocolate and still got the Roll Tide treats in advance of Monday night's championship game against the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, there's nothing wrong with tradition, right? When you think about Alabama football, you certainly think tradition. Well, the chocolate popcorn at Peterbrook Chocolatier has been at the forefront of its menu, I guess you could call it, for multiple decades now. Peterbrook Chocolatier, the champions of chocolate, they thank you once again for making 2021 their best year ever and look forward to topping that in 2022. Finally, speaking of the veil coming off of Las Vegas, going to tell you all <laughs> about DraftKings. Promo code TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. That's the promo code that you need when you sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We got the final week of the National Football League regular season upcoming. Week 18, very simple offer at DraftKings. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. If sportsbooks are not yet available in your state, you can still get in on the NFL action through huge cash prizes and the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings now giving all new customers a free shot at millions in total prizes with their initial deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score. You win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with that, Travis, we will briefly turn our attention to Alabama basketball, uh, which just improved to 2-0 and in SEC play, picked up their 11th win of the season down in Gainesville. And uh, you were up close and personal for that one, in the house for that victory. I think that was my first visit to the O-Dome, and I know it's Exact Tech Arena now at the Stephen C. O'Connell Center, but it's the O-Dome to you and me as uh, native Northeast Floridians. Yeah, good crowd for a Wednesday night. I really like the renovation they've done there at Exact Tech. It sort of looks like what I envision the potential reno to Coleman Coliseum consisting of with the club level and some of that stuff. But impressive second half for Nate Oates' team. Uh, managed to hang in there in the first half. Wasn't pretty. We talked about it before the podcast, that five-point trip when they were down seven there with about five to go in the first half. I think that was that was important to keeping them within contact of the lead. Turned it up defensively in the second half and you know, got double-figure scoring from their starters. And Charles Bediaco, your guy, thought he did some good stuff. How many offensive boards for Charlie B on Wednesday night? Was it six? I think he had five or six offensive boards. And the team had 20. Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they so got after it, especially in the second half. And, yeah. um, you know, in the game scenarios, Javon Quinterly on the ball with some highlights, including a no look dish on the baseline to Jawan Gary for a dunk. And yeah, the uh, homestanding fans, they didn't exactly leave the old arena in high spirits. 
I think the next step in Betty Ako's development, Travis, you know, being me a, a big man aficionado that I am, I think getting a stronger pair of hands is going to be big for him as he develops his throughout his career at Alabama. It's a little easy to knock it out of his hands. I've you know, occasionally you see a rebound get ripped away from him, or you see, um, you, you know, an, ex, an example where yeah. he 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 just loses his handle. I think back to some guys like. Richard Hendricks, you know, you threw the ball into Richard Hendricks. Nobody was ripping that thing out. Um, but nevertheless, Betty Ako, he plays over the rim. He gets you blocked shots. He gets you rebounds. He's a good passer. Does a lot of things for this Alabama team. I like the way. Good free throw rebound. shooter. He makes some free throws too. And Alabama did that. Yeah. yeah, that's not bad for a seven footer. Shaq O'Neal, you think Shaquille would have taken 65%? All day, all day. Uh, Alabama 16 out of 19 from the free throw line in that game. Tremendous performance. Also big, Travis, 12 turnovers for Alabama. And it looked for a stretch like they were going to end up with a lot more than that. They cleaned managed. They, they cleaned it up. They absolutely did clean it up. I, I think where Alabama gets in trouble, Travis, turnover-wise, is when – they don't make the right kickout pass or they, they they're driving to the cup. They'll get up in the air sometimes and not, not know, not know where to send it. If they can't get the shot off, that's where the turnovers come in for Alabama. For a team that shoots the three as much as they do, they will turn down some open threes from time to time and dribble into traffic. Like you're talking about and then get themselves in a position of not, being able to get the ball out cleanly, they make some hellacious passes in those situations too. I mean, they've got guys with both hands that make passes that are pretty amazing for the way they sling the ball around 12 turnovers is about the, the four that you can expect, but sort of flip the script there in the second half, Florida had 12 turnovers in the second half. And, you know, I thought too, Alabama didn't shoot the three. They shot a lot of threes. They didn't shoot it particularly well, but Florida was intent on running them off the line. And so in the second half, it just seemed like points in the paint, points at the rim, those type of things started to happen for Alabama that didn't happen as much in that first half. Yeah, Florida did a good job, I thought, with help defense. They did a good job with, you know, when Alabama did drive to the cup, the lane was clogged. And so a lot of times you'd see – whether it was Shackelford or Quinterly or whomever, Ellis trying to get to the cup. Well, they they couldn't get to the cup because there was just too much traffic in the lane. And sometimes they kick it out to the right man in the right spot at the right time and you got that wide open look. And other times the ball, you know, gets thrown away and it's going in the other direction. And that's you know, if you play Nate Oates as often That's where you play. Yeah. That that that's how you that's how you live and die. Uh, and the advantage defensively is that you know that the rim and the three-point line is all you have to defend. I want to uh, give some props, too, to Keon Ambrose Hilton because Betty Ako and Gurley had the early foul trouble. Yep. And so Ambrose Hilton was needed for, you know, important minutes there in that first half. Played eight minutes. Not an hugely impressive stat line, but the guy competed. Now, he got beat for one offensive board and a putback and a timeout ensued. And being there, Nate Oates climbed Keon Ambrose Hilton for a good bit of that timeout. But, man, loved his body language throughout the whole thing. He just kind of took it, understood that take what you need from this situation from your coach, get better from it. And I was impressed with him. I I wanted to give him some flowers, as the kids say these days, Chase. Give him him his flowers. 
good performances from the big men all around. Betty Yako, Ambrose Hilton, and uh, Jawan Gary, of course, a big night. 19 points, 8 rebounds. That is going to do it for this extended version of the Talking Tide podcast. We're up around 36 minutes good now. Good Brad hates that. A, a lengthy one. Good Brad uh, likes to keep fun. it to like seven minutes, you know? <laughs> like a, like a, like a, press conference. a, a SEC on CBS commercial break. That's how <laughs> – that's the window Good Brad's looking to fit this thing into, you guys. Next Saturday, Alabama taking on Missouri on the road. That's what's next up for the Crimson Tide basketball-wise. Next up for the Talking Tide podcast, of course, we will be back in the immediate aftermath of the Alabama-Georgia game with a recap podcast for you here on Talking Tide. Thanks for joining us. Until then, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we will talk to you again in just a few days here on Talking Tide.